Hi, welcome to the Power for Good podcast. I'm your host, Christina Ray Almeida, entrepreneur, environmental advocate, somatic healer, life coach, and really just a grateful part of this beautiful planet. I'm also a former alcoholic and addict, and I'm here to ask some really hard questions while diving deep and discovering how influential people are using their power for good or not. What happens when someone goes through an awakening? Can people really change? How and why? Let's explore. Hello, loves. It's Christina Ray. Welcome back to the Power for Good podcast, a place where we discuss how influential people are using their power for good or not. Today, my guest is a powerful being and someone who is truly using their power for good. She's an inspiration to me and so many others. She's a dear friend of mine, Anne Therese, who I met while I was living in New York City. Anne Therese is a speaker, educator, and environmental activist. She's passionate about shifting the narrative on climate change so that we can act from courage and excitement, not fear. An entrepreneur at heart, she's the founder of the Climate Optimist, Role Models, online community, The Collective, and Hey Change podcast. And she continues to use new avenues to spread the message of climate optimism, action, and hope. As you'll see on today's show, not only has Anne experienced her own incredible awakenings, but she also supports others in their own awakenings by offering them a fresh perspective on our world. She continues to spread her message through the world, empowering and inspiring literally every person she comes in contact with. She's using her power for good and beyond. And our world will be impacted greatly because of people like Anne. Love her. Let's jump in. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome, Anne Therese, to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Christina. So happy to be here. Yes. Good morning. Good afternoon, whatever time it may be, wherever you are listening to this. For Anne and I, it is mid-afternoon, I guess, <laughs> but um, I'm just so happy to have Anne here right now. I'm really excited because Anne is a powerhouse, an absolute inspiration to me and pretty much anyone I think that crosses Anne's path is just left in awe. Literally, <laughs> your presence is so calming yet so powerful. I think I first met you, did we meet like at a sustainable fashion event or Somewhere in New York City, at one of our, um, definitely at a sustainability event of some sort, right? It was definitely sustainability. I don't, I'm trying to recall. Yeah. Honestly, just, we, know, I feel like we've done so much together now. Like, it yeah. could have been like, could have been social media. It could have been something else. And it could have been <laughs> someone making a connection. But I do remember doing a photo shoot at your studio, which was a lot of fun. So that's kind of yes. how we started. We've done, we have a YouTube video interview. Um, yeah, we did a, a collaboration, a photo shoot which turned out so cool and is absolutely beautiful. And like I said, even through your, your images, you're just so powerful. And I've been to your events and loves soil. So I remember this (laughs) soil event. Um, We're literally a whole event based on just the beauty and um, amazing enough of soil. So these are the kinds of amazing things that Anne does, which made me appreciate soil so much more. (laughs) 
Um, but yeah, <laughs> we can dive into that <laughs> later. Well, I'll just leave it like this. Soil is sexy. And if you haven't realized that yet, <laughs> there's a lot to learn about soil that will, you know, it's dirty and dark and moist and you never know where you can find the soil. So it's <laughs> a whole world to explore. Yeah. You made soil sexy and that says something about you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, I'd love for you to introduce yourself in your own words and just tell us what you're up to. What's, what's going on with Anne today? Who are you? What is going on with Anne today? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> well, so I, um, I call myself the climate optimist. And it's usually a good place to start because people are like, how can you be optimistic about climate change? And um, yeah, it's a good question. And it was sort of like a mission that was given to me many years ago. I had this really weird um, awakening moment, actually. I started crying hysterically and that turned into like a meditation almost, um, not chosen. It just became a meditation session. And afterwards, I landed in this incredible feeling of light and... Um, lightness and light. And in that, you know, I, I just, I just saw something so clear and it was that I was here to be, what I heard was a climate optimist. Back then I was what I call an angry activist. And I thought in order to make a difference in the world, you have to kind of stoop yourself in that fear and pain and anger, because otherwise there's no way you can have an impact. And oh my God, I was so wrong. <laughs> this is actually the opposite. Um, but that's sort of where my journey started of, okay, I will know I want to work for the environment. I'm very passionate about everything climate change. And, but I need to find a different approach moving forward um, for myself, first of all, because I was not taking care of myself the right way. I was constantly stressed and tired and getting sick. And I started to realize that I had zero impact on the people around me because they did not want to hear me preach my way over and over and over again. Um, and so I realized that I had to, you know, just have a real think about like, how do I want to make an impact in the world and how do I want to carry myself moving forward. Uh, and that was right before I moved to New York City, more so full-time. I'd been there for an internship, come back to Sweden, um, wanted to go back for school. And so I moved back um, and found myself in New York City, this incredible city uh, where Christine and I also first met. Um, and, you know, that's kind of where it hit me that this is such a big issue, right? Like you just, all you have to do is go to any part of Manhattan uh, during lunch hour, and you'll get in introduced to the kind of disposable waste and all that culture and, and how this is not even about businesses. It's just a culture that we're so used to. And I was in New York for only a couple of weeks before I started being the one who got coffee out every single day. And you just kind mm -hmm. of, you know, it's just, it, it hit me that this is a human thing, right? It's not about that we don't have enough information, um, it's not that we don't know, it's not like we can't figure this out, but it really comes down to culture and humans and how willing we are to look for things outside our current reality and, and start, you know, choosing change. Um, and so that's kind of been my mission ever since I, I went to school for marketing, wanted to use marketing as a tool to inspire people. Um, I decided to become a model of all things and thinking that would give me a platform to speak from. That led me to starting my business, Role Models Management, which is an ethical modeling agency uh, representing talent on a mission to create positive change in the world. Um, mm -hmm. And what I really do today, um, besides the agency, I have my podcast, Hey Change, which I love. Um, I am also really stepping into my role as the climate optimist um, and taking everything I have figured out over the years, everything I've learned from just, you know, observing myself on this journey and like meeting with people and reading books and um, you know, gaining this deeper understanding of what we are actually going through right now as humans on this planet. And I want to take all that and teach other people and help other people to 
first of all, deal with things like climate anxiety and, and mm-hmm. all the kind of confusion that we have in the world, but also how do we get excited about all the opportunity that we actually have for creating something better? So, Yeah, that's beautiful. I think that's actually a great place to start with your theory of optimism as a science towards dealing with climate change, right? So can you explain what it means to be a climate optimist? Yes, um, I would love to. And um, I use, I like to start from this place of understanding that you can't just choose optimism. I thought you can for a long time. I mean, you can, but your optimism will fall, fall flat um, fairly quickly because if you just choose optimism, you start looking around yourself um, for clues in your environment that there are reasons to be optimistic. So you want to find optimistic news and you want to find people mm-hmm. that give you this optimism. And that can work. And I think we should do that also. But there will be many times when you turn on the news and anything you see anything but optimism, right? Like that's literally how the news are set up. It's set up to to gain our attention and to, to tap into our fear as humans um, and, and really spark that. So if you're only trying to be an optimistic from a lens of choosing it and finding reasons to be optimistic, uh, you will start to feel like you're you're fooling yourself and, you know, like the, this is like a, a fool's mission or whatever. But if you instead turn it back um, back towards yourself and start from a place from within and say, okay, well, what does optimism look like in my life? How can I create optimism? What can I do today to pull a better future closer? Um, and it's by starting to take those small actions um, that can grow into bigger actions, but starting to take, you know, gain agency in your own life and to really look yourself in the mirror and say, like, I, I want to believe in a better future. And what can I do right now to make that happen? And once you start taking action, um, there are a lot of incredible things that happen in your body. You start, start to produce all these hormones um, that I call the happiness hormones. So dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and, mm-hmm. uh, and endorphins. And they make you feel better. So it's, they're literally designed to make you feel better. And when you feel better, you are more optimistic. And the more optimistic you are, the more willing you are to start um, you know, stepping forward for all the change. So uh, for me to be a climate optimist is definitely understanding that things are really serious. You know, that It's not lost to me that right now we're not looking at a very climate, climate optimistic future, but I refuse to give up hope. And I also understand my own place in making sure that we do all we can uh, to change that direction and build something even better moving forward. I think that's beautiful. And I love how you're taking a positive approach because it is so overwhelming, honestly, everything that's going on. And I think that's one of the reasons people turn away from dealing with climate change and just go into complete denial because with everything that's going on today and even now with the pandemic, worse than before too, right? Because it's like, we have the pandemic, we have everything that's going on in our own lives and then we have climate change and it's like easier to deal with, with to not to deal with it, right? So I think it's a beautiful approach. And I think- holding on to hope and holding on to how can we actually create a brighter future together and working towards a positive future rather than focusing on all of the negative is a really, really beautiful approach. So I love how you've done that. It's, it's really, really intelligent and amazing. Well, I, I will also say, and this is not credit to myself, um, this is all about science. Um, mm-hmm. I just found this incredible book called The Influential Mind uh, written by Tully Chiro. She's a neuroscientist and there's, you know, there's science backing that that optimism works, not just that it works, but it's essential because when we purvey a message that 
even though there are good intentions, like if we don't do this, we will face a disaster. Or Mm -hmm. if you don't wash your hands, you might get sick and die. Like even if that's a really powerful message and it should be pretty obvious, studies show that action is pretty low. In fact, if you want to spark action, you have to come from a place of optimism. Yeah. And what happens in your brain when when you when you carry more optimism, first of all, you feel better today, which I think it's a really good place to start from. Like, well, I could think that the world is going under and I'm going to have an awful time here on this earth, or I can believe that we can do this and I'm going to be more optimistic and I'll feel better today, which in itself is a really good way to play, place to start, right? But then also it shows that the more optimistic you are, the bigger chance you have of actually making sure that that optimism manifests. Mm -hmm. So there were studies showing that people who are optimistic were 40% more likely to get a promotion within the next year. So that's a pretty significant number, which means that we actually need to be optimistic to even see the opportunities and believe that these opportunities are worth looking into. Um, And so for me, it's like, I don't think we have a choice. Um, optimists are not like we have to find whatever hope we have, whatever courage we have. We have to start realizing that things can get even better. So let's, you know, we, we can't just continue to look around like what's wrong right now. Who are we, who is to blame? Um, like how do we undo this damage? Like, okay, we know things are messy. Now let's take a step back and look beyond that. What else is possible? And I think that's the place we have to start looking from. Definitely. And I think even the science, obviously, it's applied to other other areas of life. It, it's our thinking. It, it breaks down to that. It's positive reinforcement versus negative reinforcement. But even thinking about the way that our, th- our thoughts function in our everyday life, when you focus on negative versus the positive, it's really a downward spiral, right? Yeah. So if you continue to focus on the negative things in your life and what you're not doing right, you're really just going to keep going in circles as opposed to what you want your life to look like, visualizing, manifesting what you really aspire to be and kind of practicing that, you know, I think that's how, that's how actually you can really evolve and that's how you can create and become the creator of your own life. So I, I love how you've applied this to to climate change. <laughs> it's really cool. Well, and I understand that not everyone is going to be a climate nerd, you know, totally fine <laughs> by me. Um, but I think you, you brought up something very important, which is this is about life and yeah. our human experience on this planet. And we need to not overwhelm ourselves. And I think the best thing we can do right now is take a step back and slow down and just say, all right, let's breathe a little, you know? Yes. What does it mean to choose change? You know, like what if this time right now is the most significant and most exciting time there ever has been to be alive because it means that all of us have an opportunity to create something completely different. And in my world, that's really exciting. Um, yeah. A little bit scary maybe, but also, wow, that's, that's incredible, right? And so I think we have to recognize that, first of all, we're breathing human beings. We have emotions. We have feelings. We have hormones, uh, especially if you're women. And there are going to be good days and bad days, and that's okay. Um, but I think understanding that it's always in our power to kickstart our journey of optimism and empowerment. And it, it can be as small as saying, okay, today I am going to wake up 30 minutes early and go for a walk or whatever that is. And you never know how much that can flip the whole day. Definitely. And I guess that leads me to my next question, which is what exactly is climate anxiety? And where do you think that comes from today? And how do you deal with it? 
Ah, oh, yeah. I mean, there are <laughs> there are definitions out there, and see if I can remember them correctly. But definitely, anxiety in general is when we um, move closer towards a so-called anti-goal. So an anti something we want, like something we don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we move closer to this anti-goal, feeling like we can't do anything about it. So we we grow anxiety. We're like, it's outside my control. I can't do anything about this. And when we think about climate change, that's technically what it is, right? Like we learn from the news and from people that there's this thing called climate change. And basically we may not even have a future. Um, or if we do have a future, it's not going to be pretty. And should I have kids and what about wildfires and flooding and all these things and and then you start to think about like what can I do right now and first look it seems like you can't do anything because the issue is so large and it's about oil companies and governments and all these things and so when there is this fear um moving closer to us um of something that we don't want to happen and we lack the agency to do anything about it that's when anxiety builds and I think it's also worth mentioning that trying to ignore the information or trying to not know, so to speak, actually doesn't help because our bodies are incredible and they will just store this information without your knowledge. Uh, and this happened to me because I was trying to be a climate optimist and I was like, okay, I can just focus on all the good things and just read all the good news and and try to ignore everything bad. Um, and I thought that was a really smart approach. But then what happened was that I kept building up all the negative in my body and it distorted there for a, for a better day. And then when I wasn't expecting it, it would just burst out. So the bubble burst and I was just crying out of nowhere and felt so angry and so afraid and frustrated and, and just very lost, to be honest with you. Um, and how, how climate anxiety can show up, I think it's different for different people. For me, I actually realized I developed an eating disorder because I needed something mm-hmm. that I could actually control and the thing I could always control was what I was eating, how I was exercising. And in my world, I was just taking care of myself. I was just being healthy. But yeah. it got to a point where like it wasn't healthy because you don't have to control yourself that hard. Um, and so that was a big awakening for me that actually came to me during COVID. Um, but I think people are experiencing climate change in different ways or climate anxiety in different ways. Um, and for me, I would I would really just recommend doing some journaling or talking to people about it. Um, and you may be holding on to climate anxiety and not knowing that you are because it's a really big issue that we don't want to think about but we do right um and so i think it's a place we need to start from because to heal the world we have to heal ourselves first uh and it's it's back to that kindness of it's okay to be afraid you know it's okay not to know what the future will look like it's totally okay to feel like we're angry at politicians, we're angry at companies, we're angry at ourselves or families that don't get it. Like it's totally fine to feel all those feelings, but it doesn't mean that we have to hold on to them. In fact, I feel, I know that it's in- incredibly important that we learn how to heal and move beyond that because it's only from a place of strength and, and optimism and joy uh, and passion that we can actually make a difference. So understanding that climate anxiety is very real, it's totally okay to feel that way. We are entitled, even though we're not living in an affected area, you can definitely be worried about the future. Um, talk about it to people, write about it, let it out, but don't feel like you have to hold on to that to make a difference. And I think you make a really good point. It's so important to allow yourself to feel instead of suppressing and at the same time, not holding on. But I think it 
that is the important part is actually allowing yourself to feel. And I think when you do suppress and you kind of ignore those feelings and you don't allow yourself to feel is actually when you're holding on to them because you're just kind of pushing them down further, you know? Yeah. And I think that is when people don't realize that they're having climate anxiety or they are worried about the future, that they're just actually suppressing them. Just instead of just allowing yourself to kind of process, feel those things, maybe to, like, as you said, journaling, talking about them, connecting, which is so absolutely necessary today with so much that is going on, whatever you are having anxiety about, whether it be climate change, whether it be about something that's going on in your own life or even the pandemic, but definitely agree with everything that you just said. And actually brings another point that I was going to talk to you about, which is with climate change, with everything going on in our environment, I think there is the importance of changes that we have to do at an individual level. It can be, you know, choices that we have to make within our own lives, but I think it's also about community. What do you think is the importance of community as it pertains to climate change? Well, I would say that community is everything. Um, and this is coming from someone who thought that she could be her own island <laughs> for a long time because I didn't feel like I belonged anywhere. Um, but it did take me, you know, speaking up about my passions to find my new community. And and I'm so grateful for my community today. Um, but first of all, we can't walk this alone. I like to think of climate activism or um, I don't even like to use the term activism because it's so like, uh, you know, we have very specific thoughts about what activism is. But this journey towards a, a different tomorrow, if, if you put it that way, yeah. I think of it as a road trip. Um, and you go on a road trip because you want to have fun most likely, or like, yeah, let's just say we're going on a road trip because we want to have fun. So what do you need for a, a road trip to be successful? Well, first of all, you have to every now and then stop and fuel up the car and use the bathroom and eat and stuff like that. And so we have to remember that in order to keep going, we have to take care of ourselves. We have to take breaks. We have to rest. You have to eat good foods. You don't put shitty fuel in your car because it's not going to go as well. So how do we fuel ourselves the best way possible? Um, it can be an electric car, by the way. It doesn't have to be fuel. <laughs> um, and then I think it's really important that we start having fun. You know, when you take a road trip, you don't wait until you get to the destination to enjoy the trip. The fun starts right away. Once you hit, hit the roads and you roll down a window and put some music on, like that's when the adventure begins. And I think we have to recognize that we are in an adventure right now. This is a really incredible, exciting journey that we're on together. Um, but also it's going to get really tiring to keep driving by yourself. Mm -hmm. But if you have friends in the car, you can take turns driving, you can play games, you can chat. And like, you know, there's a community there where you're actually sharing this experience with someone else. And I think thinking about this journey that we're on like that um, enables us to, again, be kinder to ourselves, to, to recognize that we're not alone. We're so many people who want to make this happen. Um, we have different kinds of expertise that we can tap into and learn from one another. Um, but I think we're not going to get anywhere without community. We're going to mm -hmm. run ourselves dry. Um, we will get angry and get into accidents because there's road rage. Um, and so I think, <laughs> you know, the more we can rely on our communities, the further we'll get and also the more fun we'll have on the way. Um, and so I would say to anyone who feels alone right now, um, might be feeling like, okay, I do care about climate change, but no one else around me seems to care. First of all, they might care. We just don't feel comfortable to talk about it yet. So mm -hmm. start try start having just a few conversations and say, you know, I'm 
actually really worried about this. Can we talk about it? And you might find that someone else in your close surrounding also feel the same way. And that's a really good place to start. And then there are so many existing communities out there. Um, a quick search on, online, you should probably find multiple different ones in your local area um, or there are online communities as well. I'll just plug that we have, um, you, are, you have a community with Poldora. We have one with a collective. Anyone's welcome. Um, so if you want to just join a, a group of people who c- care about the planet, um, please please join us. Um, but I think 100% community is the key and the foundation for everything moving forward. I definitely agree. And I think that was one thing that I loved about New York is so many events going on all the time. And obviously before the pandemic, there was much more going on in person. But right now I feel like there's a lot going on live and a lot more starting to happen in person. But I think when I discovered kind of the community around sustainability, I felt like I had really found my tribe, which was really cool. And people that taught me something as well, because I was first starting my journey. And I think I didn't really even know in the beginning what I didn't know. And so it was also um, a learning experience as well as I met some incredible people like you. Um, And, you know, the more I continue to, to reach out to different communities to explore different events online and to kind of take risks in that way, the more I continue to learn and to just be inspired by different people that I meet in different, different types of events. And of course, that's what I'm trying to build with Pildora. And that's what you're trying, that's what you have built as well. Um, So definitely, yeah, join us. Um, And if you are feeling alone, as you said, I think it's so important. Community is so important. So what, what else, what do you think that that people can do um, conversely on an, on an individual level? to, to sort of, um, you know, on a day-to-day basis to deal and do their part? Yeah, so many things. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'll just start actually by saying, because this is a question I get asked a lot and I ask myself it more than, you know, I ask myself often too, is do my individual actions matter? Because mm-hmm. it might seem like they're not. And you start you know, doing a few things and you feel really good. And then you realize that the system has to change. And, you know, you go to the store and you bring your own bag. And then the next guy is like loading up on plastic. And you're like, well, yeah. you know, I can go to the store <laughs> 20 times and not going to be able to like offset his plastic footprint. Um, and so it's easy to feel like, you know, we're just a tiny fish in a huge pond and we can't make a difference. And I want to start with saying that's not true. Um, and if you are someone who asks yourself if your individual actions matter, I would say, first of all, do it for yourself because you will start to feel better. Um, I use it as a way to just, you know, again, fuel my optimism and feeling like I do whatever I can. At least that's where I can start. Um, and also whatever you do, you, you start building your own character and that person is going to go out and have a whole different energy and vibe in the world. Um, and you never know who you're going to influence. And you will start planting seeds. And the more we plant seeds around us, we'll start shifting norms and culture. And before we know it, something new is cool. Like now it's cool to buy vintage again. And, and you know, like people, you can go anywhere basically and find organic foods, which is amazing. And so I think it's important to remember that all these small actions add up and they do matter. Mm-hmm. And we have a lot of power in how we vote with our dollars. Um, and And a few things that you can do, I mean, I always say start by just slowing down because we make our most unconscious decisions when we're stressed out and not feeling grounded or balanced. And by just slowing down, we tap back into our true core and and we can more easily recognize what's actually valuable and what we do want out of life. And it may not be the new t-shirt or 
another cup of coffee in a paper cup. It could actually be that you just want to sit in the sun for 10 minutes and, you know, enjoy, listen to the birds or, you know, eavesdrop on someone talking next to you, whatever you want to do. Um, but I think the more we slow down, we find, mo- we find value in the small moments of life. Um, and then there are a few different categories that you can look into. And I suggest, you know, taking them one by one to not overwhelm yourself. One is fashion, which I know you're super passionate about, um, Christina. And so, you know, how many items do you need? Um, if you have things in your closet you don't use anymore, can you hand them over to someone else? Can you do a clothing swap party with friends and you can start swapping clothes with each other? Um, if you want something new, can you buy that secondhand or look into sustain um, designers that are actually doing whatever they can to have a sustainable product line um, or ethical product line? Um, so fashion is a big one. Another one is plastic consumption. Um, and as soon as you start to get more aware about your plastic, it's going to appear as if it's everywhere and it is everywhere, which is terrifying. I mean, microplastics are even found in babies nowadays, so it's kind of crazy. Um, but that's also a really empowering place to start because it is mm-hmm. everywhere. So you can start making one choice and one choice and another choice. Um, and so how can you find a peanut butter that's in a glass jar instead of a plastic jar? Um, how can you find produce that's not wrapped in plastic? And just those small things will will add up. Um, food is another big one. Uh, just limiting your food waste. I think 40% of all the food produced today is thrown away, which mm-hmm. is not great. Um, I think also, I, I say think because I'm pretty sure, but I don't want to like, don't quote me on these numbers. But if food waste was its own country, it would be the third largest greenhouse emitter in the world. Wow. Um, so that also speaks to itself. Uh, when we put food in in the trash and it's not given oxygen to uh, compost uh, properly, it starts to create a lot of methane and methane mm-hmm. is um, even more potent than carbon dioxide. Um, and so we don't need food in, in garbage. So if we can start to compost, uh, great. Try to be more planful with your meals. So don't buy more than you need. Um, try to use up whatever in your fridge before you buy new food. Um, if you get takeout, can you eat leftovers the next day? Like small things actually have a huge impact. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can go, in, go on and on. There's <laughs> and their top products and yeah. try not to take the car. But I think that's a good place to start because once you start to get more aware of those daily things, like how mm-hmm. do I get dressed in the morning? What do I eat? How do I try not to waste too much food? Um, that will shift your consciousness and that will take you to the next level. Yeah, I think it's like, as you're saying, it's just really choosing consciously right and those day-to-day actions and I think it's so important to realize that it is a step-by-step thing not to get overwhelmed and it is making those small choices as you said it doesn't have to be a complete life overhaul I think I always remember this figure which I don't know if it's true but it's like if everyone just stopped eating meat for like one meal a day once yeah, one meal once a day. Like I think the problems, the problem with the whole, you know, food industry would be solved. I heard that yeah. once. I don't know if that's true, but <laughs> I don't know. And I don't know if we could ever make that happen either. Because some people really love their meat, but um, you know, <laughs> the idea I think is just you know if everybody just made like you know small choices. But that's one way to, I think to look at it is just and slowly step by step start to um, look at different areas of your life and and. I think that's what I did as well. I slowly start to look at different areas of my life, areas of my house. Like what's going on in the kitchen? What's going on in the bathroom? 
Yeah. <laughs> where's, where's all the plastic at? And it's, I mean, the journey still continues, you know, I'm definitely not perfect. Oh, yeah. So I continue to see what areas of my house, what areas of my life I can improve. So it's an, it's an ongoing journey for sure. And it will be, I think that's really important to remember a few things as you were talking. First of all, it's get, it's going to get frustrating to see other people not caring and that's fine. You cannot change them. You can influence them by being you and doing you, which is again, back to why your individual actions matter so much. But all you can really, you know, you can only impact your own life. And don't start to shame yourself because that's another thing I've, I've been through. I think you've been through too, Christina. It's like, oh my God, I'm so bad. And now no. I did this. And, you know, like I've had moments in, you know, salad bars with my husband. And he's like, one plastic fork is not going to kill the planet. And I'm like, well, no. <laughs> so you have those moments when you slip up and that's totally fine. We're only humans. The system is not great right now. But we do operate within that system. So I think we have to remember that too. Like, let's take a moment here and just breathe. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, take it one one thing at a time and keep adding on and see it as a tool of empowerment. And, you know, as this exciting game that we're on, like, how can we make things better? Let's Let's go. Yeah. Who am I? There comes a point in our lives where we find ourselves asking this question where we find ourselves feeling a bit lost as we realize that there has to be more to life and there has to be more to me. Well, guess what? There is. You are stronger and more beautiful than you could ever imagine. And I'm hosting a retreat to guide you along with a group of like-minded women on your journeys to discovering your most powerful and genuine selves through yoga, meditation, breath work, ecstatic dance, connecting to nature, and most importantly, sisterhood, we will step unapologetically into our most powerful and primal selves. Use this exclusive discount code, power for good, all one word, at checkout on our website, primalawakening.com, and receive 15% off if you sign up today. Join us for four nights at an eco luxury retreat center in Florida along the San Sebastian River. October 12th through 16th for the first ever All Women Primal Awakening Retreat and an experience you will never forget. And remember, together we heal. I'll see you there. And I guess thinking about, you know, people, since the release of Al Gore's Inconvenient Truth, leading up to all the documentaries we've had now with Seaspiracy, we have Greta Thunberg's documentary. Do you think that people care more now? Do you think there's a bigger response? Do you think, you know, besides like California and New York, <laughs> where he's to <laughs> the rest of the world in the US, do you think that there's more people that actually now care about sustainability? And if not, like, how do we make them care? Uh, I feel like there are a lot of questions to unpack in that one question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry, there was a lot going on there. <laughs> uh, well, I think but just to like to nuance it out, I think people are more aware because of all these documentaries. Um, and I've heard people who are like, I saw Seaspiracy, I'm never eating fish again. So like, it does make an impact, right? Uh, I think the level of awareness, I mean, I, for me, I, I saw a documentary and that kind of changed my whole game. So mm-hmm. for 100%, that makes a difference. Um, I think also, I was just interviewing Catherine Hayhoe, an incredible climate scientist, and she shared that 80% of moms in the United States know about climate change, 
care about climate change and want to do wow. something about it. So like that's that's a big number. Um, and I think 70% of voters in, in the last elections also care about climate change. So it's not like it's not well known. Um, mm-hmm. I think where the issue lies is that people feel overwhelmed. They feel like they lack agency. Um, and that's where actually my climate optimism message comes in because yes. I truly believe that how we're communicating climate action today is not working. Um, mm-hmm. Back to neuroscience. If we tell people that you need to act now or else this is going to happen, it doesn't matter how afraid we are of that outcome. We get paralyzed. It goes back to the really old days where if you are, you know, um, if you meet a really scary animal um, on the savannah, you don't know what to do. You know, if you start running, you're not going to outrun this tiger or whatever. You can't fight it back. Our, our response is to freeze. Because yeah. maybe then they won't notice us. And so it's literally our response when things are mm-hmm. so overwhelming and so terrifying that we just don't do anything. Um, and so, yes, it, great that we keep, you know, showing how the ices are melting and the world is burning and all these things. But like, it's actually not leading to action, which is interesting. So I think it's essential that we start to change these conversations. And if you are someone who's like, well, I do what I can, but I want to make more people around me also, you know, do the work. I challenge you. This is a challenge, but it could be a fun one. But how can you start having conversations that actually onboard people? And it starts from a place of love and understanding, mm-hmm. finding common grounds. Do not start by pointing out what they're doing wrong because they're just going to defend themselves and say, well, I need to drive because of this or whatever. Um, we, we all, like, no one wants to feel like we're to blame. Um, and secondly, I think all of us deep inside are pretty overwhelmed and, and kind of frankly terrified about what's about to happen. And so we got to give ourselves that space to like, okay, but what else can we do? what's possible? What solutions are already out there that I can attach myself to? Maybe I want to install solar from my home. Maybe I don't need to drive to work. I could take the bike and I'll feel much better. Um, Maybe we don't have to fly across the world to vacation. We can be closer to home and have more time to just hang out. So like starting to look at things from that lens. um, Something I really want to mention is that when we talk about climate action, we tend to talk about um, in terminology of like loss and fear and sacrifice, like we have to drive less, we have to eat less meat, we have to travel less, we can't buy as many clothes, we have to cut down mm-hmm. on plastic. And it's all about less and cut down and, you know, like things, it seems yeah. like we need to sacrifice all the things we love in order to do this. And although we believe in that, the trigger of, of action isn't there. Just on a psychological level, it's just like not there. Instead, we can say the exact same thing with new wording. We can say, instead of saying, let's cut down on meat, let's say, oh, how can we eat more plant-based? I've found all these incredible recipes I want to try out. Or, yes, you know, so you know, much like, delicious plant-based these days. <laughs> right. And like, okay, how can we just hang out? Like, let's just stay home and have a really good time together. Let's just mm-hmm. be more and, you know, have more time and be more present. When we start to add in things like more and, and, and like, how can we... Um, increase value or how can we try something new and exciting like using the right terminology even for ourselves changes everything and i think that's where we are right now it's not that people don't care it's not that people don't know about it but we actually feel very hand-tied and paralyzed in our action yeah i think you're spot on it really is just changing the narrative and i think it makes so much sense honestly it's as you said we're not looking at it from a negative perspective because people don't want to sacrifice all the things that they love and i've seen that applied, you know, amongst a lot of my friends and family back in Texas, when we are talking about climate change and sustainability, like, no, I don't want to give up my, you know, my vacations or my stuff. And so, yeah, looking at it from a different lens, changing your perspective is absolutely key. 
And I think that's incredible too, thinking about what else things can I try? How can I spend more time with my family? I think that's really beautiful. And I love that. So another thing I wanted to, to talk with you about was continuing our conversation on climate change. <laughs> but, <laughs> what else is there? Yes, the, the dangers you know that we face today are often unexpected. There's been so many disasters like wildfires, California, Australia, unexpected weather changes that we're continuing to see, obviously, all of, all coming from stemming from climate change. But how do we deal with the unexpected? You know, this is this is the core of everything. Um, I think we have to understand that things are changing. Nothing is certain. Um, I think it's easy to, in times of so much uncertainty that we are experiencing right now, you know, polarizing politics and climate change and pandemics. And, and on top of all that, like just endless feeds of TikTok and social media and whatnot. Um, it's really overwhelming. Um, and I think our, again, our human response to that is to hold tightly to everything we know to be true. You know, um, I like to say if you're faced with a storm, if you see that a storm is coming on the horizon, you will not go out and explore new lands. You'll crawl back into your cave and stay until the storm's passed, right? Like it's just like we want to stay safe. We want to take care of ourselves and our families when things seem so uncertain and we can't control it. So what happens when we do face something like that? First of all, we have to recognize that right now what's called from us is actually to not crawl back into our caves but to actually do step right out and say, okay, we need to explore new lands though. We have to start choosing change, although it seemed like the most ridiculous thing you can do because the storm isn't passing. And if mm-hmm. we keep you know, hiding away, by the time we do crawl out and face the world again, the world might be so different. We can't even live there anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it is an incredible challenging time And I want us to recognize that because if we don't see it as one and don't understand that we have to actually step up and become heroes, um, we're going to fail. We have to give ourselves that kind of like build up of like, okay, I'm a very important person. We live in a very important time of history. Um, Mm -hmm. But we also have this opportunity to to write the script of tomorrow and to be heroes and to install that change. And what it all comes back to for me is change. Things are changing. We have, you know, like Berta says, things are changing whether we like it or not, or change is coming whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's true, but that doesn't have to mean a bad thing. But I think what we need to do as individuals and as, you know, citizen of the earth is to build that strength muscle of change. Um, like how do we get more resilient in change? How do we recognize that no matter what comes, we'll figure it out? And I think. I mean, obviously, if you're faced with a natural disaster, if you get flooded out of your home or your home is burnt down because of a wildfire, I, I can't speak to that because I've never been through that experience. I can only imagine how devastating and, and heartbreaking and terrifying that is. But I think as the, the general person, they may not experience that. And we just read of these things about on the news. I think what we have to recognize is the only thing we truly have is our own power and our own ability to choose change. And to even in the most uncertain times, understand that nothing is certain. Um, Mm -hmm. And the only thing we know for certain is that nothing is certain. And the more we can accept that and continuously, you know, float with the river of change and to get better at just understanding like, okay, things can be different tomorrow, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we want things to be different tomorrow. Um, I, I, 
that's what I would say. Um, also, I think back to what we talked about in the beginning, to recognize that things are scary and that's totally fine. Um, I highly recommend journaling, um, writing it down on paper, getting the words out there, um, downloading all the frustration and fear you're holding on to. So it's not lo- no longer just part of you. It's actually something physical that you can look at. Um, but yeah, I think we just have to, as human beings, practice getting better at change. I think that's beautiful. And change is, is actually beautiful as well. And I think it's about acceptance, as you said. You can't necessarily prepare for what comes, but you can prepare for the unexpected, I guess. <laughs> you can just accept that, that that nothing is forever, right? I've been practicing myself, non-attachment. And I think in practicing that, you can prepare for this ever-evolving world that we live in. I think I used to be really attached to, I don't know, the whatever was going on, your pleasure, um, even my pain, um, you know? And so when we're so attached to even the future, uh, a specific idea of something, I think that's when we really are resistant to change as well. Um, so I feel that even just being in the present brings about a better, I don't know if I'm explaining this right, but it's so about, hard to talk about. I know. Yeah. I'm just, this, it's something I've really been working on actually. It's just really, it's really non-attachment to pleasure, to, to anything. And just really just focusing on the now living in the now, I think allows you to just evolve, to shift, to sway with the wind, to be ready to kind of go with anything that comes your way. Um, and appreciate really anything that is that is actually in the present, not really holding on to anything that might be in the future, not overthinking. And I think that helps a lot with anxiety as well. What may come, what has come in the past, and just, I guess, living a life of, of non-attachment. Um, that's been something that's, I guess, helped prepare me for change. I've experienced a lot of change lately. So, um, And also, yeah. yeah, and I've seen your journey, and it's so incredible to follow you on that um but i will something you said attachment i think attachment to having to know which is so hard for us to let go Mm -hmm. of you know like we want to know what's next we want to know how things are going to turn out and i think the sooner we can let go of that attachment things will get so much easier and that's when we start to like look at what's possible you know there's a quote that i love that changed my game in my life forever <laughs> when I first read it in my early 20s and it's, it goes keep some room in your heart for the unimaginable Ooh. and I think we're so stuck in our current realities because we can't even think of what that unimaginable is because we've never seen it before you know mm-hmm. um, and there's a this game I like to play with myself and you just you know you envision going back to your 10 year old 10 year Old, old younger self <laughs> uh, so yourself 10 years ago and you start to explain what your life looks like today and then you know would you believe you would you think that that would actually happen and I can say that if I had said to myself when I was in my 20s um that I would move to New York and start a modeling agency and marry this man and move to San Francisco and move back to New York and then a pandemic would hit the oh my world God. and, and right? I would be like what so hang on a second no no way so <laughs> I think that really speaks to that we have no idea what the future holds and it speaks to 
that there are going to be a lot of freaking challenges coming up that we can't expect, but that we can go through them because I'm still here. I figured exactly. it all out and it was hard at times, but I'm here and I'm stronger and I'm better um, today for it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think recognizing the constant change journey that we're always on gives us a lot of strength moving forward. Yeah, you have no control really. And I think there's beauty in letting go of that control. And in thinking letting go of that control of, you know, you really can't, you can't control the future. I mean, you, you can appreciate the now and you can really enjoy living your life. Even if I went to talk to myself a year ago or two years ago, I'd be like, hey, you're going to be living in Miami. <laughs> or you're like, what? No, I'm staying in New York. <laughs> so yeah, ah, change is beautiful. But it? shifting gears a little bit, I want to talk about self-care. So for me, I think self-care is an art. It's also ever-evolving. It's something that's taken me a while, I guess, to to really refine. And I guess for me, it looks like writing, yoga, but even like my self-care rituals of skincare, mm-hmm. of meditation, even like brushing my hair, I would consider a self-care ritual for me. But how do you apply self-care to activism? Mm. Or how do you apply self-care in activism? Because I know that activism can take a lot out of you. So what are some of your self-care rituals and, and how, I guess, how do you, how do you take care of yourself through all of this? Yeah. Well, it's a good point. And it kind of goes back to what I mentioned briefly earlier with the road trip. You have to take care of yourself because Mm -hmm. you will run dry and it's not going to be fun and you're not going to go anywhere. So I think it's easy to, as activists, think that, oh, my work is so important. I can sleep tomorrow. I don't have to take care of myself because I'm changing the world. And that's bullshit because everyone has to take care of themselves. And I think recognizing that we all matter and it starts with you. Again, heal yourself to heal the world. Um, So self-care in and of itself is really important, especially in activism, um, because you'll have such a such a bigger impact too if you take care of yourself first. Mm -hmm. For me, self-care... I think it's ever evolving too. Um, it's funny because I met with your mother and she was like, oh, I would just assume that you're a yogi. I think we started talking about yoga. Oh my God, yeah. And I forgot like, you met my mom. Yeah, she <laughs> popped into like the photo shoot and she was like, oh, do you do yoga? I'm like, oh, I wish I want to start doing yoga. And she's like, I just assume you did. Um, but that's something like, I know that it's good for me and I've been wanting to for so many years. And finally, Christina, this summer, I started a little bit of a yoga routine in the morning and it felt so good just stretching out my body. Um, I love to walk. I'll, I'll say that I walk like three to four times a day. Um, and I've been known as the walker since I don't know how long it just helps me stay grounded. And I mm-hmm. kind of collect my thoughts. And so that's what I do. I like to go for walks and if I can hug a tree on, on the way. Um, and, but yeah, it, it makes me tight. So yoga and stretching and like really, you know, loving my body in a different way. And again, I said that I'd developed an eating disorder um, in like a, this compulsive controlling disorder about my body, which I thought was healthy and I realized it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of recovering from that and, and understanding, you know, what it looks like to actually love my body and to give it what it asks for right now. Um, but I'm very conscious with what I'm eating, what I'm putting into my body, um, and you know, what I drink, what I eat. Um, and, and giving myself time to just be, I love my mornings because I love to wake up and just have a few hours in the morning when I don't turn on my phone. I put my phone on airplane mode every single night because I need that breather. Setting boundaries, I think it's key for everyone. 
um, setting boundaries, you know, towards yourself. Like, what do I know is good for me and what's not good? I'm just going to say no to. But then also it is a very overwhelming world and we don't have to always be reachable. We don't have to always be available. We don't have to go to every party if we don't want to. And that can be difficult to set those boundaries, um, especially mm-hmm. people just have always relied on you to be there. But if it doesn't feel right, that's okay. You don't have to go anywhere. Uh, and I think that's for me is self-care um, to just ask myself, you know, what's, what's good for me. And then there are times we want to be there for others, obviously, but yeah. you can't always be there for others if you're not there for yourself first, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And I have definitely been um, an advocate for saying no, particularly this past couple of months. <laughs> I think I fell in love with the term Joma, which is like the joy of missing out. <laughs> as opposed to FOMO. Yeah. Oh, that's my, yes. I'll take that from <laughs> Hashtag <you>. JOMO. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> no, it's so important though, because even if you, you know, if you, if you say yes and you haven't really been taking care of yourself, then you're not even really present. So no, it's, mm-hmm. it, as you said, you have to take care of yourself first and your cup must be full. So then it's so full that it starts spilling out the sides and you can share all those goodies just naturally by being there. So yes, that is totally self-care. And I've definitely been participating in that kind of self-care myself. (laughs) But um, in my life and in this past couple of months, particularly, I've experienced an awakening. I've experienced multiple awakenings, basically, you know, big shifts in my life. And as I mentioned, a really big shift recently, a big awakening. Do you feel that you've ever experienced an awakening or awakenings in your life? And if so, when? Uh, yes, I have. Um, I mentioned it a little bit early too when um, mm-hmm. I had my Climate Optimist awakening and that was one of my bigger ones. But I um, I can recognize myself going through awakenings. I mean, some of them are very evident. Like, whoa, I just had this meditation and now I see the world differently or something. Um, or it can click when you're just walking down the street and something just kind of like becomes this light bulb moment. But it's so interesting when you start to really pay attention to yourself. Um, and for me, it's when I call it being in the cloud or like the empty room, because once you're in a certain stage of your transformation journey, um, this is not scientific at all, by the way, it's just me trying to like figure this out, but I call it being, I call it the empty room because it's like sort of where your ego gets put on pause because you're like reached a certain level of transformation where like your body is literally transforming. And so, um, you just get a little bit, you know, pause for a second so that you can catch up if that makes sense. And so Mm -hmm. when I'm in this room of emptiness, nothing really seems to make any sense. Nothing is fun or exciting. Um, it doesn't, seem like I'm going in either direction and it's just like okay what's going on like it's just pretty like confusing space to be in it can last for a few days but now I've gotten better at recognizing that and and I celebrate that it's another phase of my journey and I'm yet to transform and become a new person and I think we're here to grow you know growth is such a rewarding feeling to become someone else and to see the world with new eyes and see ourselves with new eyes and we grow in relationship with others. Um, I'm so grateful for this past year and a half, although it's been really frustrating at times to be so close with my husband, um, but how we've grown together in this journey. And, you know, in this in this space in general with people like you in the sustainability space and we learn from one another and the humility that comes with sometimes being wrong and recognizing that we're wrong and saying that's okay because when we're wrong, we can learn something new and do better. 
Um, but yeah, I think I'm constantly growing and transforming and it can feel uncomfortable at first if you're not used to it. But as soon as you tap into that cycle, it's pretty cool. And um, yeah, life is a constant awakening, I think. But I'm curious about this empty room. Do Is it empty room? You feel that's right at the end, right before you're about to realize an awakening? Or I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I've maybe felt that before. So I'm kind of curious for you to expand on yeah. the empty room. Thank you for asking. And I'll share... Because actually I developed what I call the six steps of change. And this was just for me recognizing that I was constantly changing. And they consist of the word change. So C-H-A-N-G-E. Yeah. Um, So the first phase is curiosity and courage. And that's always what kickstarts a journey. Like you get very excited about something like, oh, I want to start doing yoga or like change something with my life. And you're so excited. Um, And that's like the honeymoon phase. And then what comes next is hesitation because anytime you want to change anything about yourself or your life, your body's going to be like, oh no, we're not doing this. Like this is not what we're used to. And so you start to hesitate. Oh, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. I have a job or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, And you want to kind of like fast forward through the hesitation phase because it's really annoying, but it always comes. So just be prepared. And after hesitation comes attitude. So whatever attitude you put forth is what's going to determine if you're successful or not. So maybe you need to create a schedule. I'm going to do yoga three times a week and that's it. Like I'm going to develop this new habit of mine. And so the attitude that you bring forth is really determining, um, yeah, your, your journey. And then after you've done all this work, so you had a curiosity and kickstart the journey, you hesitated, but you've moved forward. You put in the work, you did like the whole attitude phase. Then I call it the numbness. So numbness or the cloud or the emptiness room. Um, and the best way to describe it is Let's say that you are in a very rainy place. Let's say you're in London and it's just raining, raining, raining. You're like, okay, I need to go to the beach. I can't wait to get out of here. So you book yourself a ticket. You go to the airport. You go through all the things and you get on the plane and you're like, okay, I'm so excited. And so you take off and you do all the things. Like, you know, you had an idea. You uh, acted on your idea, even though you hesitated and you did all the work to get through the airport and you're in the plane. You take off and you see the world getting smaller, but and this is about if it's raining where you just came from, there will be a cloud somewhere. That's just how, you know, science works. Mm-hmm. And so at some point you will enter the cloud. And if you ever taken a flight through a cloud, you know what this feels like. You look out the window and all you see is this, you know, cloud, you know, mm-hmm. white dimness, like you can't see anything. And in that cloud, you might start to panic and feel like, okay, are we going in the right direction? Like, am I going to get to my destination? Like I have no control. Like I can't drive the plane, whatever. And what you need to do when you're in the cloud is just trust that the pilot knows what he's doing. Um, put a mu- movie on and just understand that you have to be here for a certain amount of hours and you're fine. Um, and understand that you did all the legwork. So now it's just about taking a step back and relaxing and enjoying the ride. Because every time you go through a cloud, there's a sun on the other side, mm-hmm. always. And so the cloud is actually when you have to just trust and sit back sit back and wait for the, the sun to arrive. Because after the numbness phase is growth. That's where you grow. Um, And in that growth, you reach the final part, which is euphoria. Um, So for me, the six steps of change is like, you know, it really is this rewarding process of you want to do something, you know, it's scary. Your body says, don't do this. But you also know that, no, I I had an intuition here. And so you act on your intuition, you do all the legwork, you start to grow. And right before you're like, you know, the the universe is like, okay, I see you. I see you're serious. You want to become this new person. And you're about to grow, but for you to grow, your soul has to catch up. And that's mm-hmm. where you're in when you're in the numbness phase or the cloud or the emptiness room. 
Um, so yeah, that's what, again, no science is backing <laughs> this, but it's just something that I've recognized that every single time this happens. And so when you find yourself, when you're like, oh, I thought things were going to get exciting because I did all this work and I just feel blah, you know, that's when the magic is about to happen because very soon that's going to be a sun. Oh my God. Wait, I'm upset. <laughs> I love that. That's like amazing. I love that you've come up with the whole thing. Wow. Like mind blown. <laughs> Many years ago. Mind blown. Forget about it. No, that's super cool. I think it's, it's very, I mean, it makes sense. The whole thing is it's, it's really, really, really cool. I, I've never heard you speak about that actually. I know. And you know what the best thing is about it? Because once you enter euphoria, which is the final stage, I also call it education because you will get addicted to change because growing as a person and learning something new about yourself and this new person, like I always say, you know, when you, if you sometimes walk down the street and you feel like there's like background music playing and someone's mm -hmm. definitely filming you, you're like, I am the centerpiece of my own movie. Like, this is awesome. When you feel that way, you want to do it again. So it is addicting. And also you're going to start to inspire others. So the education part is like, you know, what can you learn now that will kickstart the next journey? And also how can you educate others? Yeah. And so I think actually that kind of wraps up everything we've talked about. We are living in very certain times and we don't know what the, what tomorrow looks like, but we do know that we have the ability to choose change and to empower ourselves in these movements and to know that as we do so, we will be rewarded because it's a really cool thing to do. Um, and so I think it comes back to just recognizing ourselves as vehicles of change. Um, and that's literally all we're here to do. Yeah, I think that's absolutely beautiful. And you're right. I think it does wrap up everything that we've been talking about. <laughs> oh, you've just mic dropped, you know, our whole podcast. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. So thank you for for wrapping that up so nicely, but no, I'm, I'm kind of in awe. When did you, uh, first develop that, um, your change uh, philosophy? Yeah, I think it was five years ago. I had just moved to New York and was it based on something that you like a change that you went through yourself? Yeah. Well, I'll give you the quick story. I did read that quote, keeps on ruining me hard for the unimaginable, mm -hmm. um, back on my student couch in Sweden. And back then I was incredibly stuck trying to fix everything in my life, my old relationship and everything, and nothing was working out. Um, and so I had my, that was one of my big, you know, awakenings. And it felt like like the twilight zone, like, de -de 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 -de. like it felt like the universe stopped for a moment. And I was like, mm -hmm. hang on a second. What do you mean the unimaginable? And so I started to practice that every single day. I actually asked my mom to print it out. So I hung it on my wall. Um, so I could see it every morning and everything started changing from there. Um, I got this internship in New York City. I went to New York. I um, tried out being a model, which was a dream of mine when I was like 13 years old. And all the things I thought was just not realistic. I said, who, who knows, right? And so, and I started to recognize that the more I was open for things to happen in a different way, I started to evolve in that. And it wasn't so much about what I was doing and what was happening, but it was actually who I was becoming mm -hmm. in all of this. Mm -hmm. um, and so- I got addicted to change and kept doing it <laughs> and realized that I was going through the exact same phase every single time. And all I wanted was to help other people do the same thing. And like, how can I teach this? You know? So that's how I came up with the six steps of change. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you. Well, I think that, you know, whatever you want to call it, manifestation, focusing on the positive, it's so important to realize that you are the creator of your own life 
and you are capable of anything that you can imagine. Anne is the embodiment of that living, breathing embodiment of power. <laughs> like I mentioned at the beginning, you are absolutely a powerhouse and an inspiration. And um, so it's it's absolutely incredible how you've taken your experiences, your knowledge, your ever-growing knowledge, and applied it into things, you know, like your six steps of change, the climate optimist. I feel that you've you take these ideas and knowledge and you put them into such a cool, eloquent way, you know, like such innovative ideas, the climate optimist, the six steps of change. It's just so, so incredible. So thank you thank for you. the work that you're doing on this planet. I really believe that you're a gift to this planet, <laughs> like truly an angel, a gift, an eco warrior. Um, and I just feel so grateful to know you that we've crossed paths and I'm so, so grateful that you've come on the podcast as well. Um, if you have not come across Anne and seen her Instagram, her podcast, go check out Anne um, and Therese. I am I'm grateful to have you as a friend and I'm grateful to continue learning from you every day. I really find you such an inspiration. And where can, where can listeners find you? First of all, thank you, Christina. I'm just sitting here smiling. You're the best. And I'm <laughs> Taking so all the compliments as well. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm downloading it all. Um, <laughs> thank you. And yeah, so you can find me on on the internet, theclimateoptimist.com. I will say that my Climate Optimist Masterclass, it's, it's an eight-week course that so you can take at your own speed and time. So you can do it in a day if you want to. But it's eight long, eight one-hour-long courses. Um, it's now available. So you can learn everything that I'm teaching for climate optimism there. Uh, so the climateoptimist.com on Instagram, I'm Antrice Janeri, which is link that for people because it's hard to spell. Um, yeah, and we'll my podcast is Hey Change Podcast. So I'm beautiful. And I would love to be friends. Yeah. Well, if we hope that through listening to us talking today, you're ready for the unexpected, ready for change, ready to create change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope you've had a good time, everyone. Thanks for tuning in, um, hanging out with us, hanging out with me and Anne. Thank you, Anne, for joining us. Thank you. All right. Bye, everyone. I'm Christina Ray, and you've been listening to the Power for Good podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And join me next week for another powerful conversation. Share a story of how you are using your power for good by sending me a DM on my Instagram at Christina Ray Almeida. I'll be sharing your stories at the end of every episode weekly. If you're interested in learning more on how we can work together, head to my website, I am ChristinaRay.com and let's connect. Sending you so much love and remember, you are powerful. powerful.